that my beloved, sweet, wonderful wife married me for mainly one reason, because someone has to kill the spiders, <laughs> right? <laughs> Does anybody else feel this way? She is afraid of spiders. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm not real crazy about them myself, but I can't be that afraid of them because someone in the house has to kill the spiders, right? She's, she's sitting right over there. She's shaking her head. She is in agreement with this. So uh, someone has to do that. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Spiders? Anybody afraid of snakes? A lot of people are afraid of what I'm doing right now, public speaking. People really don't want to do that. Um, in, the, uh, in the chat earlier uh, this morning, Paula said she was afraid of heights. Anybody else afraid of heights? If you're watching online there, just, just type in, hey, what, what's kind of, what are the things you're afraid of? If you're watching online, you'll, you'll want to get some stuff for communion ready too, some bread and juice. We're going to share that at the end of the message today. Are you afraid of, a lot of people are afraid of going to the dentist. Yeah, I heard an amen. <laughs> are you afraid of flying, afraid of roller coasters, afraid of closed spaces? There's a lot of different things a lot of people are afraid of. Those are mostly phobias, right? I mean, those are kind of phobias. We even have phobias and superstitions about numbers, lucky numbers and unlucky numbers. It was really interesting. Uh, the day that I began kind of framing the outline for this message, it was many months ago, was actually on a Friday the 13th. And for a lot of people, they're really afraid of that. They're really afraid of numbers. But we know that there's more than just phobias and kind of these superstitions. And we know that there are things much more serious to be afraid of than spiders and snakes. And so what I want to talk about today is fear. Because fear isn't just about phobias. Fear is about real things to be afraid of. And they're no laughing matter and they're no joke. Uh, fear can be paralyzing. And it's, it's not really honest to say, well, you can't, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of when sometimes there is. That's not real. Almost 90 years ago, in his 1932 inaugural address, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, with the world on the brink of world war, war and a crashing economy on the brink of a Great Depression, he penned and spoke those famous words. You know those words? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Turns out that wasn't exactly true because the world would soon come to fear crippling poverty, rationing food, real hunger, the world would come to fear an enemy bent on destroying human rights and freedom as we know it in a, world, in a war that the entire world fought. Turns out that there was a lot to fear. And sometimes for us, it's true that fear is a real thing. It's the same thing for, for us. We've all been afraid of this wretched virus. What if I get a bad case of it? What if my parents or my grandparents get a bad case of it? What if, what if my business or my, my industry never recovers? 
What if we never go back to normal again? Hey, can I, can I just tell you, this is a conversation that our staff has every single week for the last 10 months. What if that auditorium is never full again? What if only 50 or 60% of people return to worship? What if we're, hey, we're in the business of gathering people, and what if people gathering looks different for the rest of our lives? You think, you think you're alone? Listen, this is a conversation. This is a fear that we have every single week that we work through and that we talk through. What if we have things we're afraid of, things that, that we fear? And of course, we already had plenty to fear, fear, right? Failure, criticism, what others think of us. Earlier in, uh, in the chat, Jimmy put fear that, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not enough. Wow, thanks, Jimmy, for sharing that. What a powerful, what a powerful thing. Fear of the unknown, fear of not being liked, fear of comparison. We fear not having a successful marriage. We fear not being successful as parents. We fear not being successful at, in our career or at work. For single people, they, they fear like, what if I don't find the right one? What if I don't find a spouse? And we fear, what would God think if he really knew the real us? What if he already does? I wish I could tell you today. I wish we could read a story in here that would tell you and tell me that God will make all your fears disappear, just vanish like magic. Wouldn't that be a good story? I wish I could tell you that it will just all go away, but I don't think you'd believe me anyway because you know it's not true. You know that's not the way it works. And I think the question instead that we need to wrestle with and the angle that the passage we're going to read uh, that it deals with is a different question. You and I ask ourselves, what am I afraid of? And we're so me-centered. But here's a question I want you to be thinking about. What is God afraid of? Because it's the answer to this question that makes all the difference for people of faith. We worry so much about our fears, our concerns, but here's the question people of faith need to be asking. What is God afraid of? And if you are new to faith or you're not a believer, but you are curious and you are checking things out and you are interested, I hope today that you will consider this question because I think the answer to this question could change your life and change how you relate to your fears. This was a question that the people of God, known as the Israelites, had been struggling through. Through uh, the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, they tell a story about God delivering his people. God working in and through his people. And they had seen that God wasn't afraid of anything. The Israelites had seen that God wasn't afraid of Pharaoh and the Egyptian empire and all the army that came with it. God raised up a leader named Moses to lead them out of 400 years of slavery under the most powerful empire that the world had ever known. They were afraid of the Egyptians, but guess what? 
God wasn't. And Moses delivers them finally, and then they stand on the shores of the Red Sea with the Red Sea in front of them and a surging Egyptian army behind them. And they were afraid of the surging Egyptian army, and they were afraid of the sea before them. But guess what? God wasn't afraid of the army, and God wasn't afraid of the sea. And the waters part into two walls, and they cross over the Red Sea in re on dry land, and they enter into now a pretty scary world, the harsh conditions of a desert where they have few resources and no food, and they were scared of what life was going to be like in the desert. They were scared that their stomachs literally would be empty, but guess what? God wasn't afraid of the desert, and God wasn't afraid of no food, and he literally makes food fall from the sky and water come from a rock because God wasn't afraid. And they wander in that desert for 40 years trying to get to a place that God has promised them, a land that he has promised their forefathers, that he promised to Abraham long, long ago. He has a plan for them. But in that desert, they are surrounded by all other kinds of nations and all other peoples with much mightier armies and much more, many more resources than they have. And they might have been afraid of the peoples around them and afraid of the nations around them, but guess what? God wasn't. And for 40 years, he protects them because he has a plan for them. And God isn't afraid of what they fear because he has a purpose for them. And when they can finally see the promised land in the distance, like literally, they can see it with their own two eyes. They can finally see the promised land in, their, in the distance. They're like, finally, we're going to make it. Moses dies. Uh-oh, uh-oh. No, 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 no. Moses was the one that went before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Moses was the one who hit the water with, with, his, with his staff and they parted. Moses the one is who hit the rock with his staff and water came. What are we going to do without Moses? And that's where our real fears come in. That's where that relates to us, right? Because we begin to have a lot of fear when there's a lot of uncertainty. When we're not exactly sure what the future holds, when there's real vulnerability, when we've got real questions about the future and what's gonna happen next. And maybe that's where your fears are. You're wondering what tomorrow's gonna look like, what next week is gonna look like, what next year is gonna look like. It's uncertain, it's, it's scary, it's, it's a little murky when you look into the future. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God is afraid of that? Joshua 1, when you turn the page from Deuteronomy, the last chapter Moses dies, to Joshua 1, God begins to speak into this fear. And listen to what he says. After the death of Moses, 40 years, the Lord, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' age, Joshua had been Moses' right-hand man for many years, his, his protege. Moses, my servant, is dead. Thank you, God. I knew that. Now then, you, who, me, me? Yeah, you, Joshua, you. 
And all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them. On the other side of the river is this promised land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Joshua has a lot of reasons to be afraid. And the first reason is it usually doesn't work out for the guy to follow the guy. Right? Did anybody read this week that Jeff Bezos resigned from being CEO of Amazon? He's still going to have a part in the company. He's still going to have a part of the board, but they appointed a new CEO. How would you like to be the CEO that follows Bezos at Amazon? It often doesn't work out well for the guy following the guy. The first church I pastored, little, little church, had a, a pastor who had served the church for 29 years. Been the pastor for 29 years. And then they had a pastor for one year, and then they had me. And they liked me because it usually doesn't work out well for the guy that follows the guy. You want to be the guy that follows the guy who followed the guy. That's what you want to be, right? Because the next guy, it doesn't matter. They're not going to like him because he's the guy that followed the guy. Moses has been doing this for 40 years. He is going to, Joshua is going to, he is going to lead in the shadow of the greatest leader that Israel had ever known. The, the really the only leader. I mean, the guy who beat Pharaoh, the guy who God spoke through to give them the Ten Commandments. The guy, he's going to be constantly compared to him. He's going to be constantly uh, just, just reminded. Oh, and by the way, there's a big river in front of the promised land. There's an obstacle between where I'm sending you and where you are. A big obstacle. And often, our obstacles are sources of fear. What are your obstacles? Is it education? You got an obstacle there? Is it a family dynamics? Is it a health problem? A, a real physical ailment? Is it finances? Is it a relational dynamic? You see, I, I'll bet if you just jotted some things down, and maybe if you're at home you want to do this, or maybe if you're here you want to do this, I bet if you just jotted things down you could just say, like, here are the obstacles of where I, I feel like I could go in life or where God's calling me, and these are the things and I, I, I'm afraid of because I don't know how to overcome them. Let me ask you something. Do you think God sat there with Joshua and the Israelites and looked at that river and was afraid of that river? Do you think God is afraid of your obstacle? Listen to what God says next to him. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. He tells him, he, let, let me just tell you what I'm going to do for you and what I'm going to give you and what I'm going to promise you. And then he says something interesting, at least to me, at least to me. This is really interesting to me. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Well, that's great that God says that. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, um, God, yeah, Joshua, what you got? 
Just, just a question, God. As you were with Moses, you know, he did lead for 40 years, but I'm not sure you remember, but nobody liked Moses. They complained all the time about Moses. In fact, there was one time God, then the whole nation actually asked if they could have another leader. In fact, they disliked Moses so much. Do you remember this, God? That one time they asked if they could go back into slavery instead of being under Moses' leadership. So you're going to be with me like that? Could Could I get another promise? I'm not, sure that that, I'm not sure that that's what I actually want. I mean, they actually made idols to worship when he turned his back and then left them alone for a while. Is that what we're looking at here? Do you think, do you think God was afraid of those doubts and fears that Joshua had? Do, do you have some doubts and fears? I'm not saying they're not real. They were real for Joshua. But do you think God is afraid of your doubts and your fears? And oh, it was a good promise at the end, right? I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. They might complain. They might not like you all the time. It might not go swimmingly all the time. But I will never leave you, forsake you. See, when it comes to our fears, here's deep down what we, what we all want, what we all want. We all want disappearance. We want what we're afraid of to just poof, vanish, right? You, you want the obstacle to just vanish. You, you want the, the, the doubt to just vanish, to just go away. And if we're like, God, if you would just Take it away and just remove it. Then, then I'll be able to, you know, then I can be strong. Then I can do what I'm called to do. Then I can go where I'm called to go. And often, almost always, God doesn't work through disappearance. He works through deliverance. He works through deliverance. God didn't make Pharaoh and the Egyptian army disappear. God delivered them over the Egyptian army. God didn't make the Red Sea disappear. He delivered them through the Red Sea. God didn't make the desert disappear and make it turn into a garden. He delivered them. It took 40 years. And Joshua, I'm not going to make that Jordan River disappear so you can just trot on across to the to the promised land, easy peasy, I'm going to ask you to put your foot in the water, even if it makes no sense, and I'm going to deliver you through the obstacle. What is your obstacle? What is your thing? What is it that you are afraid of? Because here's the thing you can cling to. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Even when you think you're not going to make it, I'm delivering you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And then he says something that's a little unnerving, at least to me. Okay. It's just, it's a little unnerving. He says this, and you're going to get why it's unnerving. It sounds good at first or the first time. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is kind of funny. you got to know a little bit of the story to know this. Joshua knew full well why he was going need, to need to be courageous. 
because he knew what waited in the promised land. Back in the book of Numbers, when they're trying to figure out if they can even make it to, if they could even, if they could even uh, get this land that God had promised to them, Moses sends 12 representatives on a reconnaissance mission into the promised land to see what it looks like. Is it even what God told them? He sends one representative from each of the tribes, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 of them. And they get over there and they come back to Moses and 10 of the 12 give him a terrible report. They say, there's no way. There's no way we could win this land. Did you, and listen, and here's why. The descendants of the land were actually, these enemies that waited in the land were the descendants of giants, like literally. They were descendants of giants. And they're like, this is the, this is the language they use. These 10 come back and said, we felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Like that's how tiny we felt in comparison to them. There is no way we're going to defeat them and take this land. But oh boy, Joshua and Caleb come back with a puffed chest. And they say, no, this is a beautiful land. It's flowing with milk and honey just like God promised. Don't you guys want to get out of this desert? And the Lord will be with us and we will take this land because he has promised us. And don't you just know, and of course, you know, Moses is like, well, okay, great. Thanks for the report. You know, I'll take this all into consideration. And don't you just know, Joshua and Caleb went to bed that night and we're like, you know, if I was in charge tomorrow, like we would storm that place, right? You just know they did. You just know they did. And now God's like, hey, 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 you know the land with the giant people? Time for you to lead, buddy. You remember how you and Caleb said that you could do this and like, oh, there's nothing to it because I'm going to be with you? All right, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's time to put up or shut up because it's time for you to lead. You might want to get that courage up again. Be strong and be courageous. It's your time. And this is why this is a little unnerving to me, this comment. Because listen to what God says the next time. Be strong and very courageous. How would you like it if God said to you, listen, I want you to be strong and courageous. You know, check that. You're going to need to be very courageous. <laughs> check. <laughs> Let me say that again. I, I didn't say that right. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left or to the, to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. It's a little unnerving. Why did you tell me I needed to be very courageous? And it's coming again, but first God says this. Keep the book of the law. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And I think this is so, I think this is so important. He says, I want you to keep the word. I want you to keep my law. I want you to keep this truth. And I want to tell you something, friends. 
I think in 2021, this continues to be so very true. I think one of the problems is that we are so fearful is that we are getting our truth from Facebook, from Twitter, from Instagram, from whatever your cable news network is, from your friend at the water cooler at work, and we are living on lies instead of girding ourselves in the truth. And I still believe, I still believe that the promises of his word, the promises of his word are what help us to be strong and courageous because this world has got a whole bunch of lies floating around in it. And if you listen to them, they are enough to scare you to death, but not in here. He says, listen, you're going you're gonna to cling to the promises because there are going to be times, Joshua, that you're going to feel all alone and you're gonna remember, you need to remember that I told you I will never forsake you and never leave you. There are going to be times that you're going to feel weak, Joshua, and I, you need to remember that I told you to be strong. You are strong. There are going to be times that you're going to feel like a scaredy cat and you're going to have to be remember, Joshua, that I told you that you can be very courageous. And then he closes it out and he says it one more time. But he adds something. He adds something this time. He says, have I not commanded you? Yes, Lord, I remember both times. You just did it like three sentences ago, twice, as I'd like to say. Be strong and courageous. And he adds this, do not be afraid, Joshua. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. But listen to what he adds here. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's why you can be strong. That's the source of your courage. Not that you're great, not that you can do it alone because the promise is that I'm with you wherever you go. And it's so it's interesting. It's like in the English language, it often takes us a lot of words to say what it said in the original Hebrew. This whole phrase right here, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, is, is one word in, in Hebrew, halak. And it means to go with you, to lead you, to carry you. Here's why you can be strong, Joshua. Here's how you can know that you can make it. Is that you can know that I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to carry you. I'm not going to wipe away every doubt. I'm not going to wipe away all the certainties. I'm not going to make your obstacles disappear. But I want you to know that it will work out not because it will just work out. That's not faith. God says that I want you to have the opposite of fear. I want you to have courage. And your courage is not in your abilities. Your courage is not in your talent. I want you to have courage because I want you to know that I am with you. Joshua, it's time for you to stop telling me how big your problems are and start telling your problems how big your God is. Joshua, here's what I want to tell you. The God who is with you is stronger and bigger than the obstacle that's in front of you. I want you to have courage because I am with you. I'm carrying you and I'm leading you. 
The promise of God to Joshua is not that everything's going to be okay and that there aren't scary things ahead. The promise of God is that I will be with you wherever you go, Joshua. And here's what I think courage is. The courage to go forward isn't the absence of fear, but the presence of God. The courage, we get courage not because our fears disappear, not because our obstacles just vanish overnight, not because you wake up in the morning and like everything's all better. It's because you wake up and you say, I'm walking with the Lord and he carries me and leads me and he will not leave me nor forsake me. And problems, you may think you're big, but I got a big, big God. That's what courage is. That's what courage looks like. That's what it means to walk without fear. And for us, the promise is even better. Because of Jesus, God doesn't just go with us. His spirit lives in us. And there might be suffering, but there is nothing in life that can take away the spirit of Christ living in you and the future glory God has promised in you, to you. The courage to go forward isn't the absence of fear, but the presence of God. If you follow Jesus, Christ is in you and nothing can separate you from being in Christ, not even death. That's our promise. That's why we say to fear that life can't take away the one thing that matters most, that God is with me and I will be with God forever, no matter what. If this virus takes me down, I get to be with Jesus sooner. And if I beat it, I get to glory in Jesus, my victor. You see, nothing can take it away. I will trust in the promise of God. I will step in the, prom, in the presence of God. Your faith will grow as you walk through your fears. But if you never do it, you'll never know how strong this God is who carries you. When my boys were little, we lived in a neighborhood with a community pool. And uh, we would go to the pool, and my, my oldest, Morgan, is 16 now, but I can just remember when he was, you know, just a little fella and just, you know, barely able to walk. And we'd go to the pool, and I was trying to teach him to jump into the pool. And they'd sit there at the edge of the pool, and they'd just, you know, they'd kind of fake jump about 30 times, right? You, you ever seen that with a little, little toddler, and they just, he'd, 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 he'd like he's coming, he'd bend his knees and it was like he just couldn't get the courage because that water was scary. That was unknown. It was moving. He, you know, he knew he couldn't swim. I mean, so it was just pretty, it was just pretty scary. It was uncertain. And I would just sit there and say, no, it's okay, I'm going to catch you. Come on, jump. And I, you know, it's just right there, just the whole time. Until finally, every one of my boys, they would, they, would, they would finally get that courage to jump in. And it was never because they decided that they could swim. And it was never because they decided that the water wasn't so scary. They finally jumped when I could finally convince them that you're going to be all right 
because daddy is going to catch you. And the promise of, uh, for us, for those who call ourselves followers of Jesus, is that we are children of God and nothing in the world and no obstacle and circumstance can take that away. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans 8, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption as sons and daughters. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Aramaic Hebrew word for daddy. We call him daddy. Because the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So I consider, listen, that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I'm not telling you that there aren't some scary waters. I'm not telling you that there aren't some obstacles. I'm not telling you that there, aren't, there isn't some stuff out there to fear. I'm telling you that you have a God who will never leave you and never forsake you. And even when the wreckage of this world makes you die, the promises of our glory in him are better than anything this world could ever offer. You win in Christ because he is with you, he is in you, and he is for you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that you're invited to be a child of God. Because Jesus answered the one question that we're most fearful of. Will my sins be held against me? Well, that's the one that gets us, right? Like of, of the mistakes I've done, I've made, at the end of the day, when I stand before God, will my sins be held against me? And on the night before he was crucified, Jesus was with his disciples and he broke bread and he answered that question. He said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup. And listen to this. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant for, guess what, the forgiveness of sins. Every time you eat this and every time you drink this, I want you to remember me. This table is an invitation to come have dinner with dad. That fear that one of our online worshipers had, the fear of the biggest one is, am I good enough? This answers the question. No, 
but Jesus is. And where we are not good enough, his body and his blood covers our sin and shame. So you are invited to the table. You are invited to overcome whatever obstacle is in front of you because you can be a child of God today. So if you've never made that decision, I want you to know that today can be your day to say, I want that forgiveness, I want that mercy, I want that grace in my life because I want to be his. I want to be a child of my heavenly father. Friends, I want you to know, if you've got this covered, he can deliver you through whatever other fear you've got in front of you because he solved the one problem that this world can't overcome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we wish we could snap our fingers and everything just go away, all that we fear. But Lord, you got a better story for us. The story is that you would deliver us through it. That you would write a testimony in our lives of a God who never forsakes us and never leaves us, Lord. So my prayer, God, is that as we stand on the edge, Lord, with scary waters in front of us, that we would jump. Not because it's, it's not an obstacle, not because it's easy, and not because we're certain now, but because we know that our Abba Father is going to catch us and that we are with you and we claim the promises of you that this world, no matter how scary it gets, can, can take away that we are in you and that you are in us. And we cling to that promise today. Lord, I wanna pray for any brothers and sisters in this room who have never known that they could be called children of God, who have never known that they could be yours, who have always wondered if their sin was too big, too much. Help them to know, God, that there is a new cup, a new covenant, that on the cross you forgave their sins, and they can be made new today. And they don't have to be afraid anymore if they are enough because you have done enough in jesus name we pray amen if you haven't already taken a moment i want to just ask just invite you to receive holy communion the bread that was broken for you and the blood that was shed for you as our band begins to lead us in our closing time here as a blessing over you I hope you'll just receive this blessing and stand in worship when God leads you.